You're listening to messages from Cuyahoga Valley Church in Brunswick, Ohio. If you're looking for more resources or want to get in touch, head to our website at www.cvcbrunswick.org. We pray that this message will be an encouragement to your day and help you experience new life in Christ. Good morning, church family. My name is Vanessa. I'm going to read a passage from Ruth, chapter 1, verse 19 through 22. So the two of them went on until they came to Bethlehem. And when they came to Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the woman said, Is this Naomi? She said to them, Do not call me Naomi. Call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went away full, and the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has testified against me and the Almighty has brought calamity upon me? So Naomi returned, and Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law, with her, who returned from the country of Moab. And they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of barley harvest. Uh, hi, everybody. My name is Rick Duncan. want to welcome you here today. Glad that you're with us. We're in a series through the Old Testament story of Ruth. And we're glad that you're with us today. So on behalf of uh, Pastor Josh, who's our campus pastor here, want to welcome you here today. I'm going to approach this passage from what I hope is a very pastoral point of view. In my 35 years as a pastor at Calgary Valley Church, I've, I've seen a lot of suffering. Families have had to deal with a lot of pain and heartache and hardship. Um, when I go through this list here with you, I can see names and faces, babies stillborn, accidental shootings, drug overdoses, suicides, soldiers killed on the battlefield, homicides, mental illnesses, addictions, divorces, abortions, abandonment, cancers, surgeries, dementia, Alzheimer's, strokes, incarceration, kids raised in the church that ran away from God, joblessness, unemployment, underemployment, financial stress, crippling debt, alienation in families, brokenness, physical, spiritual, emotional, sexual abuse, infertility, loneliness. As I said, I got names and faces for all of these hardships. So the pain that our people have experienced is, is, is just heartbreaking. So these are the kinds of things that are happening. I know some stories of some of you in the room right now. They have happened in the past and they will happen in the future. So the question is, what are you going to do when something heartbreaking happens to you? Because it's going to. So how are you going to handle it when you taste life's bitterness? Because troubles are going to come, difficulties are going to happen, losses will occur. So will you become bitter when you taste the fruits of the fall. We're in a fallen world. This is not heaven yet. Terrible things are going to happen. What's going to happen to you? Or, or, or could there be a way for you to be honest about the pain that you experience in life while at the same time hang on to your hope? So we're in uh, week two of this series through this book, of Ruth, and we have a map up here which represents last week's study because Pastor Josh told the story about a, a family that left Bethlehem 
and they traveled to Moab to live because there was a famine here and they thought they could make life better work here. And Josh challenged us to say, are you living in Moab, away from God, away from God's people, and do you need to come back home? And then we've got a vase with bitter herbs here because we're going to be dealing today with how God uses the bitter to make the sweet even sweeter. And so we'll keep those up for the weeks that we run through this series. Pastor Josh um, said this last week, throughout this series, we're going to see how God's kind hands guide his people through difficult situations to the road of restoration. God's unseen hands are always working for our good to bring us to greater obedience to God, which results in greater joy now and in the life to come. So again, today we're going to see how God takes the bitter and he uses it to make the sweet even sweeter. Sometimes the sweetness happens in this life, but for every believer, sweetness is for sure going to happen in the life to come. As C.S. Lewis says, when every chapter gets better than the one before. So God uses the bitter to make the sweet even sweeter. Last week we learned about this couple, Naomi and Elimelech. They're living in Bethlehem. They had two sons when that famine hit, and they heard the grass is greener over in Moab, so let's, let's go, let's move there. And you got to think that when Naomi first left for Noab with her husband and two sons, she probably anticipated that day when they're going to come back to Bethlehem and it's going to be a great homecoming. I mean, she may be left thinking, uh, we're going to move to Moab, we're going to settle down, we're going to grow some food, we're going to make a little money, we're going to stay a short while, and when the rains come back to Bethlehem, then I'm going to return victoriously with my husband, with my two sons, with some daughters-in-law, and probably with some grandkids, and everybody's going to say, man, that move that they made to Moab was a great move. But that didn't happen because she tasted the bitterness. Her husband died, and then after her two sons were married, the two sons died. So the hard times hit hard. And widows in those days were pretty much doomed to a destitute life. They're scrapping to survive. So Naomi says, I, I, want, I want to go back home. And so she tells those widowed daughters-in-law, go back to your Moabite families. And one does, but the other one, Ruth says, you're stuck with me. I'm not going to abandon you. I will go back with you to Bethlehem because where you go, I'm going to go. Your God's going to be my God. Your people are going to be my people. And as Josh said last week, evidently Ruth met the Lord somehow through this process. Her life is transformed. So again, let's pick up the story in Ruth 1 verse 19. You already heard it earlier. So the two of them, Naomi and Ruth, went on until they came to Bethlehem. And when they came to Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the women said, is this Naomi? I mean, Naomi and Ruth are walking through the outskirts of Bethlehem. A buzz starts to build. And the deeper they get into the village, the more people are asking, is this who I think it is? Is this Naomi? She's been gone at least 10 years. She's buried a husband. She's buried two sons. I mean, think about the hurt that's in her heart because of that. And then the years and the weather aged her dramatically. 
And she must have been tired when she got back because it's like 60 to 75 miles on foot. Probably took seven to 10 days to make that trip. It was a dangerous trip because there's robbers everywhere. Add all of that up. Life had taken a toll on her looks. Are you the person whose wedding I attended a few years ago? Where's Emelec? What happened to your sons? And who's this woman that's with you? And maybe the women were gossiping. Maybe they were saying things like, hey, look at her. She hasn't aged very well. Serves her right because she abandoned us. She left the Lord behind. She went to the land of the false god, Chemosh. I mean, no wonder her life hasn't worked out so well. Verse 20, she said to them, Do not call me Naomi, call me Mara, for the Lord, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. So what she's doing here is she's pointing the finger at the Almighty for her bitter life experiences. I mean, she's thinking, the Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Well, He's taken away from me. The Lord is the reason my life isn't working so well. And she may have been wondering, where is God when you need Him? What good is God? And she's sure that what's happened to her has happened because of the Lord's doing. And maybe that's where you are today. Life's been bitter for you. And you're disappointed with God. And you're frustrated with God. Questioning God. Confused by God. Wondering about God. Angry with God. And all that's okay. Because you know what? He can handle it. Verse 21, I went away full, she says, and the Lord brought me back empty. Maybe that's the way you feel. I used to be full, now I'm empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has testified against me and the Almighty has brought calamity upon me? Naomi means pleasant. Mara, she says, call me Mara. Instead, it means Bitter. He has testified against me. It's like he's, God has testified against me like I've been in a court of law. I've been judged by God. I've been found guilty. And so I'm being punished now. I'm being disciplined now. That's why I'm suffering. The Lord is actually demonstrating his displeasure with me. 22, so Naomi returned and Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law with her, who returned from the country of Moab, and they came to Bethlehem in the beginning of the barley har harvest. So there's a little bit of hope that's, that's dawning here right at the end of verse 22. Now, I don't want us to beat up Naomi this morning. I mean, if she walked through those doors back there, she would deserve our sympathy, not our critique. My own mother had a similar experience. Uh, she didn't bury one husband and two sons, but she buried two husbands and one son before she died. And I was there through it all with her. And I got to tell you, it was hard. The amount of grieving that my mother endured was shattering. So when somebody experiences these kinds of losses, they don't deserve our judgment. They need our support. Now, I've never had to bury a spouse, and I've never had to bury two children. And I've never suffered what Naomi suffered. So for me to come down hard on her today would be more than just a little arrogant. It would be unloving. But having said that, her story is here for our instruction. Naomi's bitterness could be understandable, but that doesn't make it okay. Now, it's a cliche to say this, I know. 
But let me say it anyway. Bad times can make you bitter or better. And we get to choose. It is a fallen world and hard things are going to happen to us. And if we want to become better instead of bitter, then we got to learn some lessons from Naomi's life. I mean, think about it. Becoming better, not bitter, won't happen because of what happens to us. It will happen because of how we respond to what happens to us. Pastor Chuck Swindoll said, life is 10% what happens to us and 90% of how we respond to what happens to us. So looking at how Naomi processed what happened to her, it seems that she could have been deficient in three areas. One would be identity, two, theology, and three, dependency. So I got three ideas for you today. Know your identity, grow your theology, and then show your dependency. So first, know your identity. It appears as though Naomi is defining herself by what has happened to her. Notice again in verse 20. Don't call me Naomi, call me Mara, for the Lord has dealt, Almighty has dealt bitterly with me. I went away full, the Lord brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? So again, Naomi means pleasant. Mara means bitter. So she's saying, don't call me sweet. Call me bitter. Call me Mara because God has marred my life. So what she's doing here is she is renaming herself. She's reevaluating her identity. Now, to her credit, Naomi is honest, and that's very important. She is not playing church. She's not giving the good little Sunday school girl answer to her tough times. She's not saying, well, something bad has happened to me, but, you know, God knows what he's doing, and I lost my husband and lost my two boys for reasons that I can't yet see, but I know that God is up to something good. Now, we might want her to say that because we would probably put her up here and let her give a testimony. But you don't put somebody up to give a testimony who's saying, life is hard. Change my name from pleasant to bitter because you know what? I'm bitter about what God's done. But she's being honest, and I love that. Because we have a tendency to show up at church, right? Hey, how you doing? Fine, good, better than I deserve. We got all these little pat answers that we give, and inside we might be dying and crying. I mean, nobody feels more lonely than a depressed person with a smile on his face at a Sunday morning service at church. Because you're faking it. Listen, we want authentic community here. And if you haven't plugged into some life group, then I want to encourage you to get into a life group because that's where you can be honest about what's really going on in your life. And if you're feeling like Naomi and you want to change your name from sweet to bitter, then go ahead and say so. Let's just be real with each other. When life hurts, say ouch. But maybe, just maybe, Naomi shouldn't have renamed herself. Because what's happening here is, is spiritual warfare. We just had a message on this a couple of weeks ago here, right? This is spiritual warfare. The devil wants to mess with how you see yourself and how you speak about yourself and how you define yourself. 
Because if the devil can get you to see yourself and talk about yourself wrongly, then he has minimized you and he's neutralized you. So who you are isn't defined by what happens to you. Who you are is defined by who God says you are. So maybe you could pray a prayer kind of like this. Lord, help me to see me like you see me. I am not who I say I am. I am who you say I am. And what you're doing then is you're fighting for a God-identified identity. See, we're really good at talking trash to ourselves about ourselves. And if we're not careful, when hard times happen, we will become bitter, not better. So I spent some time this past week just actually flipping through Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. It's the Torah. It's the first five books of the Bible. It's the the books that precede the book of Ruth. So this would have been scripture that Ruth had available to her. Because I wanted to see what kind of Bible-based, God-saturated identity Naomi could have developed. So rather than renaming herself bitter, what could she have said about herself? Just, just a few verses here today. I have been created in the image of God. She could have said, I have been blessed to be a blessing. When I believed in the Lord, he counted it as righteousness for me. And I am the Lord's own treasured possession and a member of a holy nation. And I am holy to the Lord my God, and the Lord has set his love on me, and he has chosen me out of all the people on the face of the earth. I mean, those are the kinds of things that she could have said about herself because it's right there in the Scriptures. Some of us wrestle with this whole idea of, am I really and truly a beloved child of God? We wonder about that sometimes. We struggle with shame. We struggle with guilt. We struggle with feelings of worth and value. And when something bad happens, we're just sure God's ticked at me. But we are His beloved children. The Lord is not just tolerating you. You are His treasured possession. Now, I don't usually ask you to do something like this, but but what I want to ask you to do this morning is just to look at somebody near you and then just say something very simple. I am the Lord's treasured possession. So can you look at somebody and say that? I am the Lord's treasured possession. Go. Yeah. How how uncomfortable was that? See, if I were you, I would hate if the pastor asked me to do that. I would hate. Because this doesn't feel good, Right? That was kind of weird. And one reason it's weird is because we're not used to talking about ourselves that way. You're not used to thinking about yourself that way, but that's what the Scriptures say. Are you the Lord's treasure possession because you're so lovable? I know some of you. No, you're not. (laughs) I mean, the Bible says we hated God and we were His enemies. That's not lovable. Are you the Lord's treasure possession because you're so together? No, like Naomi, we're just messed up, jacked up, sinful through and through. But here's what's happened. Jesus, God the Son, came to this planet living a life that perfectly pleased the Father, a life we could never live. Then he died on a cross in our place, suffering the punishment that we should have suffered 
for our own sins, and then he rose from the grave. He defeated sin and death. And when we turn and we trust him as our Lord and Savior, we make him the Lord of our lives, he sends his Holy Spirit to live in us and through us, enabling us to live new, enabling us to get better, not bitter. See, you're God's treasured possession because of Christ. And just as God looks back at the merits of Jesus and applies them forward into your life as a New Testament believer, He looked forward to the merits of Jesus and applied them backward to the life of Naomi, an Old Testament believer. So God loved her because of Christ. God loves you because of Christ. And not only does He love you, He likes you. And that's an important thing to keep in mind when bitter things happen in your life. If you're not clear about your identity as a beloved child of God, then you're going to have a hard time believing that God is in the process of using the bitter to make the sweet even sweeter. Know your identity. Second, grow your theology. Grow your theology. Now, theology is, uh, comes from theos, which means God, logos, which means the study of. It's the study of God. And I think what Naomi needed was a more robust and true theology. It's a good thing that Naomi evidently did not adopt the false gods of the Moabites. But her view of who God is and how God operates was faulty. Now, to her credit, she had a very high belief in the sovereignty of God that God's in charge of everything that happens. And that's why she was attributing all of her troubles to him rather than to chance or to some other gods. And you see this in verse 20. The Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me, and the Lord has testified against me, and the Almighty has brought calamity upon me. Now, what you see are two uh, words that describe God, two names of God in this passage. You see uh, Almighty and you see Lord. Um, Lord comes from the Hebrew word Yahweh. Almighty comes from the Hebrew Hebrew word Shaddai. And I wonder if she understood the meaning of the Almighty aspect of God's character and missed the meaning of the Lord aspect of His character. Because Shaddai seems to emphasize the cosmic greatness and the glory of God, while Yahweh emphasizes the covenantal goodness and grace of God. So Naomi was able to see the power, the majesty, the holiness, the judgment, the discipline of God. But at least in this moment, she didn't see the compassion, the grace, the goodness, the mercy, and the loving kindness of God. So rather than just seeing the discipline and judgment of God, what could she have seen about God? And again, as I flip through Genesis, through um, Exodus and Numbers and Deuteronomy and so forth, I came across some verses that could have more fully informed her theology. She could have said these things about God. The Lord will fight for me while I keep silent. The Lord is my strength and song, and He has become my salvation. The Lord is my healer. In spite of my losses, He's still my healer. Because the Lord God is a compassionate God, He will not fail me nor destroy me nor forget the covenant which He made. God is an enemy to my enemies. 
She could have been thinking those kinds of thoughts about God. In other words, God is great and glorious, yes, but God is also good and gracious. And if we are not careful, then the bitter experiences of life will cause us to think thoughts about God that are not worthy of His character. We have to build our theology from God, about God from the Scriptures, not from our experiences. There's a famous songwriter named William Cooper. His mark on history happened because he just was able to communicate great truths about God through his songwriting. Cooper was a man who had gone through many bitter life experiences. His mother died when he was six years old. He was raised by his father. He and his father had a strained relationship. His father kind of forced him into the law profession. That didn't work out. And Cooper struggled mightily with depression. He had four major battles with depression in his life, and he attempted suicide on several occasions. Cooper was discipled by a guy named John Newton, who's an English pastor who wrote the song Amazing Grace. And Newton said, hey, why don't we write a hymn book together? And so Newton wrote 200 hymns. Cooper wrote about 70 of those. And we're going to sing one of Cooper's hymns a little bit later today. God moves in a mysterious way. Listen to the words. Judge not the Lord by feeble sense, but trust Him for His grace. Behind a frowning providence... He hides his smiling face. His purposes will ripen fast, unfolding every hour. The bud may have a bitter taste, but sweet will be the flower. Right now, you might be experiencing the bud, and it's bitter. But because of who God is, a flower that's sweet is coming. You're going to have to fight a spiritual battle to think true and right thoughts about God. Build your theology from the Bible. When you cannot trace His hand, trust His heart. And if you're not correct with your theology that God is not only great, but He's also good, then you're going to have a hard time believing that God's in the process of using the bitter to make the sweet even sweeter. Know your identity, grow your theology, show your dependency. If we're not clear about who God is, and when we don't understand that we're His beloved children who are experiencing His providential care, then that's when we're going to have a hard time actually trusting Him. Naomi said, I left, I left full and I came back empty. She didn't really see a daughter-in-law. She didn't really see sympathetic neighbors. She didn't see that a harvest was getting ready to happen. But most of what she didn't see was that Yahweh, Shaddai, the Lord, the Almighty, had good plans for her and she could trust Him. She was having a hard time believing that God would take what she's going through and work it together for good. Now again, there are truths in the Bible that she would have had available to her. She could have claimed some verses that would have helped her live by faith and not by sight. She could have been more God-dependent. Let me just share a few. Whatever happens to me, God means it for good. That's in Genesis chapter 50. The Lord will dwell with me and not reject me. He will walk with me and be my God. The Lord will bless me and keep me, and the Lord will make His face to shine upon me and be gracious to me, and the Lord will lift up His light of His countenance on me and give me peace. The Lord is going to go before me and will fight for me and carry me just as a man carries his son. And I can be strong and courageous. I need not 
be afraid or tremble for the Lord my God is the one who goes with me and he will not fail me or forsake me. She could have claimed all of that, but she didn't. And I just want to ask you, are those the kinds of things that you say to yourself when life gets bitter? Even though it appears that Naomi was not clinging to these truths at this moment in time, God still demonstrated His faithfulness to her because all of those promises I just read were fulfilled and then some in her life by the time we get to the end of the story. And as we move through this story in the weeks ahead, we're going to see a God that can be trusted. And just as He worked in Naomi's life, He's at work in yours. He really is. That's why the Scriptures say, walk by faith, not by sight. A Job, who was a man who had worse things happen to him than Naomi had happen to her, said about God, though he slay me, yet I will trust him. So why have hard things been happening to you? I don't know why. I know this, God gives us troubles to correct us when we step out of line. He gives us troubles to connect us, to get us back into relationship with Him, to get us from Moab back to Bethlehem. God gives us troubles to direct us because He's got something better or different for us to do. He gives us troubles to perfect us, to make us more like Christ. He gives us troubles to inspect us, what's inside of you. He, but He's always up to something good. And that's why you can trust Him. When I know my identity and grow my theology and show my dependency, then God will use the bitter to make the sweet even sweeter. And sometimes that sweetness happens in this life, but for every believer, the sweetness will for sure come in the life to come where every chapter in your life gets better than the one before. Now, I mentioned before that my mom buried two husbands and one son. She also suffered a stroke that pretty much shut her down on her left side over the last two decades of her life. And when she wasn't in a hospital or in a nursing home, she ended up spending the last seven years of her life living with her son and daughter-in-law right here in frigid Northeast Ohio. I mean, I moved my mother to Northeast Ohio on January 11th. And when we got here, we got her out of the airplane in her wheelchair, and they couldn't even push the wheelchair forward because of the snow. We had to drag her backwards into a freight elevator to get her up. I thought she'd never forgive me for taking her out of Central Florida to Northeast Ohio to live. My mama grieved all of these losses, and I could tell you more. She did not get bitter. In fact, when she stayed at Pleasant Lake Villa, which is a care facility in Parma, the workers, when they had had an extra bad day, would often stop by her room before they went home. Because my mom always had a quote, a quip, something funny to say. Because of her relationship with the Lord, the glass was half full for my mom. She was better, not bitter. Listen, it's been my observation as a pastor that every single person, you got two tracks that are going in your life. It's like train tracks. And one track you could label bitter 
And the other track you could label sweet. The bitter and the sweet are happening simultaneously side by side. I mean, there's probably something going on in your life pretty well right now. And there's probably something going on in your life right now that's pretty poor. And God is going to use both of those to take you to a bright destination, a good destination. Two tracks, bitter and sweet, happening simultaneously, side by side. It's why the great leader, the Apostle Paul, could say this, I am sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. So if you're sorrowful about something, say so. But don't forget that God's given you blessings too. And as much as you want the one track in your life, the sweet, God's going, I'm going to use the bitter to make you better. Let the bitter losses that you face, you will definitely face. And I see some young people in this room. I hate to tell you, if you live for 50 years, it's going to be some tough times. But let the bitter experiences make the sweet even sweeter. And that can happen if you're confident in your identity and deep in your theology and great in your dependency. For those of you in the room right now have had more than your fair share of bitter experiences, what if? What if you moved from your Moab back into a closer proximity to God and His people? What's that look like for you? What if for you that your next harvest season is just beginning? What if the next stage in the story of your life is just being set, put in place? What if God is beginning to move in a new way in your life? It's been my experience that bitter people embitter people. But sweet people sweeten people. So you got to decide what kind of person you want to become. you got to decide what kind of influence you want to be. Out of these three areas, identity, theology, dependency, which area needs your attention the most? Why did God bring you here today? What can you do to increase your biblical literacy in that area? What could you do to help yourself talk in that area? To tell yourself a better story about your life that accurately reflects the gospel of our God and the goodness of our God. You know, I, I rushed over to CBC Broadview Heights yesterday and I printed some handouts for you guys. Some of those verses that I shared with some additional ones. And I, I, the ushers are going to give those to you on your way out. So I got a prescription, okay? I'm the doctor, you're the patients. I get to play that role today. Here's my prescription. Pick up one of these papers in the foyer today and then read these truths. You ready for this? Out loud, two times a day for seven days, morning and evening. And then next week, evaluate your level of bitterness or betterness. 
Let the Word of God wash over you. I think God will use the bitter to help you long for Him more than you long for your own comfort. And I think God will use the bitter to make you better. Let's pray. Thank you, God, for your Word. Thank you that we have an example of somebody like Naomi. There's good that we see in her. There's uh, not so good that we see in her. She's a reflection of us, the way we are. And I pray, dear God, that you would fortify all of us for what's to come. And that somehow we would have a blazing faith in the midst of situations that would tempt us to doubt. That we would have a right-on theology when we faced situations that would cause us to question you. And that we would have an uplifting identity when we face situations that would make us think that we're not loved or even liked by you. So bless us, Lord. Teach us, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Thanks for listening, friends. If you want to talk about anything that you've heard today, don't hesitate to reach out. You can find contact information and further teaching series on our website at www.cvcbrunswick.org.